It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online uh, at leesheatac.com or 801-747-LEES. Out to the T-Mobile special guest line we go. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit tmobile.com for online services and local uh, store availability. From Sports Illustrated, he's our friend Chris Mannix. Hey, Chris, how are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, give us your thoughts. We found out in the last hour Doc Rivers is not going to be back with the Clippers. Your reaction? Uh, surprising, not shocking, um, you know, especially given how that Clippers season ended, blowing the 3-1 lead. And, you know, Doc, as we all know by now, it's the second time in the last five years that the Clippers have blown a 3-1 lead. They've never gone as far as a conference finals. So all those things kind of add up. Uh, all that being said, I, I look at this as a staggering overreaction to what happened in the bubble. I mean, the bubble is not – it's just there, there are too many variables at play that wouldn't be present during a normal season, not the least of which is, for the Clippers, the fact they had so many chemistry issues coming into all this, whether it was COVID-related or you know strip club-related in the case of Lou Williams – uh, or injury or, or ill or family reasons like Montrez Harrell. I mean, these are all variables. Plus, you don't have home court. I have a hard time believing the Clippers would have lost up 3-1 on their home floor to the Nuggets. I, I just uh, – this isn't necessarily a full-throw defense of Doc Rivers. I think he's got his flaws as a coach. I just think it's a it's a pretty big overreaction to, to fire him based on what we saw uh, in the bubble. So, I mean, it, it, the Clippers are now – Going to have to scramble to find a head coach. Several of the top ones are already off the market. Um, and, you know, next year obviously is an incredibly important year for the team. So Doc had a couple of years left on his contract, uh, Chris. And then, uh, do you think this is a re- this reaction of which you speak? Is it Steve Ballmer who's invested so much money in this enterprise and, he, you know, he just has had it up to here? And do you think he'll go – uh, for a coach like uh, assistant Ty Lu or, or or a bigger name guy, well, it's it's hard to say who ultimately pulled the trigger at this point. But you have to believe that it has Balmer's fingerprints on it. I have a hard time believing that you know Lawrence Frank, who Doc hired as an assistant coach during his days in Boston, you know, brought him into the Clipper fold, uh, is now the president of basketball operations. I have a hard time believing that Lawrence did this on his own. Um, so I, I figure that Ballmer, for whatever reasons he had, has to have his fingerprints on this one. As far as, as where they go, I mean, Ty Lue makes some sense, but I wonder, you know, Ty Lue has elevated, has jumped on a head coaching job that became available after a firing before, right? Did it with David Blatt and with the Clippers, but this is not a David Blatt situation. Doc Rivers is Ty Lue's mentor. Uh, I don't know that he would just be willing to jump into that spot and, and take it right away. Uh, there are some other coaching candidates out there. Jeff Van Gundy is certainly a veteran coach who's coached veteran teams before. He might make some sense. I wondered, and I said on Twitter, I wonder if you call Phil Jackson and see what Phil Jackson has to say about coaching. Now, there are myriad reasons why Phil wouldn't take the job, not the least of which he's 75 years old and you know his body has been breaking down for years. But it's been a few years since Phil's been out of the game, and you always wonder 
if a guy that exited the way Phil Jackson exited in New York with, you know, really a lot of negativity around him, would he want to get back in to, you know, kind of make his last NBA appearance a good one? And Phil wouldn't have to sign a long-term deal with the Clippers. I mean, this is really a two- or three-year operation with with this group. Uh, And the fact that it's in L.A., you know, a chance for Phil to stick it to the Lakers, I mean, I just – I think there are a lot of intriguing aspects to the idea of calling Phil Jackson, seeing if he's interested in the job. Is the Clipper job the best job available right now, and what are the top two or three? Well, it's probably the job you can jump on that gives you the best chance to win a championship. Um, you know, the Sixers are a very good team, and in the years to come could be a championship team, but they haven't proven they're on that level. Uh, the Rockets, they're a mess. You know, right now the Pelicans are young and interesting, but they're not uh, a great team necessarily. The Clippers, you know, have a Finals MVP in Kawhi Leonard, All-Star in Paul George, and a deep roster, at least as soon as they get through free agency, that, you know, on paper should be really good. So, yeah, I think the Clippers' job is is a solid one. Um, it, it just comes with a lot of pitfalls, especially for a young coach. I mean, you, you almost can't go down the list of these, you know, credible assistant coaches, guys like Ime Udoka and, Steven Silas and, and the many others that are out there, you have to hire somebody that can handle this roster. And that really limits the the numbers. It's Ty Lue, it's Jeff Van Gundy, and it might be Phil Jackson. So I, I, I wonder where they go with this job. Because remember, next year, after next season, whenever it starts, you know, Kawhi Leonard can become a free agent. Paul George can become a free agent. And you could see this thing unravel in Los Angeles very quickly. So if you're a betting man, Chris, do you think you'll see Doc coaching next year or will he be in a, in a TV booth somewhere or whatever? You know, I could see him in a TV booth. He's been a head coach for a lot of consecutive years now. I don't know what the number uh, is is total, but, you know, he went from Boston straight to L.A. And that's been a long run for Doc Rivers. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him take a year off and do some TV stuff and then see what's available to him uh, next year. There could be a number of good jobs open you know, next year and the years to come. And he's always going to be a top candidate for any of them. So, yeah, they, you know, we know Doc can do TV extremely well. He's done it in the past. I wouldn't surprise me at all to see Doc in in a television broadcast in some capacity in, uh, next season. Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, what do you think of the finals matchup we're going to get, Chris? I, I love it personally, but what are your thoughts? Well, it's certainly interesting. Um, y- you know, LeBron against his former team, you know, the, these young Miami players with an opportunity in a big moment. Uh, so I like that. I, I just have a hard time seeing Miami's path to victory here. I mean, it, it, the Heat have the same problem a lot of teams have had in these playoffs. How do you stop LeBron? Who do you have? Uh, Bam Adebayo is there, but I would imagine, we're guessing now, that Bam, you know, starts off on Anthony Davis and tries to control him. And then where are you going on, you know, LeBron on-ball defense? Are you talking about Jimmy Butler? I, I certainly hope you're not talking about Duncan Robinson because that would end badly. Uh, Tyler Hero off the bench. I mean, they just, you know, Jay Crowder is certainly there to, to provide some, some defensive support, but I don't know what he does with LeBron. I mean, it's just, it's just t- tough to see how a LeBron-led Lakers team loses this series. They'd have to shoot, I think, extremely poorly from three-point range, which is they're capable of. They've, they've done it in their losses, but they'd have to shoot extremely poorly from three-point range, in my eyes, to lose this series. What happens with the Celtics now, Chris? Uh, is Gordon Hayward a short-timer there, or is there going to be a change? Well, I, mean, I think the conversation with Gordon is, do you want to opt out of your contract and sign 
a longer-term deal that has less annual value but uh, a greater total number. And that's been done many times in the past, and it's possible given Gordon's relationship with Brad Stevens that that we see that happen. Otherwise, Gordon's going to opt into that contract. Why wouldn't he? He's not going to get anywhere close to the $34 million he's owed um, you know, with the team. I Look, there's no two ways about it. Gordon was extremely disappointing uh, in this, this Miami series. He had a couple of good moments, but it's, you know, especially in that game six, he was nowhere to be found. And yeah. look, I think some of it you can certainly chalk up to, you know, having you know, no legs because you're coming back from an ankle injury, but he's missing layups, he's short-arming shots. And defensively, I didn't think, I felt like he was kind of going through the motions there at times. Uh, that was just unacceptable, you know, for the Celtics. So, like, their hands are tied in a lot of ways with Gordon. I mean, he opts in, he opts in. That's kind of the way it goes. But um, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Celtics approach him about, you know, you know take, opting out of this deal to give them some more flexibility and signing a three-year deal at a, uh, a bigger number. You know, Chris, when I saw the way he was playing in that game that you mentioned, I, it reminded me of when he was a rookie and he was almost intimidated by the people around him. He he, he wanted to – it looked like he didn't want to be on the floor. Like, it, it, if the ball came to him, it was like, here, you take it. Uh, it. It just seems weird to those of us who saw him play the way he did later here. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know how much that had to do with coming back from an injury that cost him a month. And you have to think that has to have factored in in some way, shape, or form. But you can't be timid like that in the postseason. You certainly can't be timid like that in an elimination game. And, you know, uh, Gordon, you know, last season deservedly got cut a lot of slack coming back from such a major injury. But, you know, you need more from him. You need him to be uh, a playmaker. You need him to be a shot maker when they're open. You need him to give decent defense. He didn't do that much in that Miami series. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm also not entirely sure how much Gordon likes Boston. I mean, I don't I, – I, I don't have a specific example of that, but I'm around that team all the time, and I don't, I don't know that he, he loves it there necessarily. So, look, money ultimately talks, and you know, you're not going to turn down whatever version of 34 million you're going to get in, in next year's season, whatever it may look like. But uh, I don't know if Gordon's all that invested in staying in Boston long term. Sticking with the Celtics for a second, to evaluate Brad Stevens' performance in that series against Miami. Not his best, certainly, although I thought he got better as, as time went on. I mean, they, they, they really struggled with the zone in those first couple of games, and they seemed to figure it out, especially in those last few. Uh, I, look, I, I think Brad could have done more. I thought Eric Spolster won the coaching battle in that series. But I feel the same way in, in a way about Brad that I do about Doc. At some point, guys got to make shots. I mean, Marcus Smart just jacking open threes is – got to make them. It's as simple as that. I mean – now, the Clippers blew a couple of big leads in that Denver series. A lot of that's do with guys not making shots. I mean, there's only so much a coach can do in a suit on the sidelines. It's just, it's 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 the easiest thing in the world to fire the coach. I get that, but players have to have some accountability. They have to have some, some responsibility. If you're not making shots, it's not on the coach. I mean, practice more, make those shots, be better. Uh, and I thought the Celtics, especially in the fourth quarter of that game, game six last night, they just missed some open shots and. They went back to playing selfishly. They went back to playing isolation. They went back to shooting threes instead of going to the basket. I mean, that's a lot of that's on them and, and not so much on Brad Stevens. Hmm. Uh, what is, what's your evaluation, Chris, of Bam Adebayo? I, he's great. And, look, it's, you know, the difference, I mean, like Bam Adebayo is one thing, but, like, the difference in this series with the Celtics and Heat can be identified in the body of Tyler Hero. I mean, Tyler Hero 
was drafted 13th overall last year and played great. Romeo Langford, people know who he is, was drafted 14th by the Celtics, didn't play at all, had an injury, uh, but wasn't a factor even prior to the injury. So, I mean, it, to me, it, it, a lot of the success of these teams comes down to how often you hit on these mid-range picks. I mean, Miami hasn't been perfect by any stretch of the imagination this rebuild. I mean, you guys know they've handed out some horrifyingly bad contracts in the last few years. I mean, Tyler Johnson was a bad contract. You know, Kelly Olynyk was a pretty bad contract. I mean, they've just been giving out some bad deals in recent years, but they've been able to, you know, cover for it by drafting really well. I mean, Adebayo was 14th overall back in 2017. He was developed flawlessly over the last three years and has turned into the kind of two-way player that is going to put him in all-star consideration every single year. Uh, so if you're, if you're a team out there, and I, I say this to you guys, I'm sure, all the time, because I say it everywhere else, like, it's not rocket science. Like, the Celtics can be a championship contender next year if with the 14th pick they have in the draft this year, they hit on it. Like, if they get a guy that can play like Hero can, uh, you know, they're right back in the mix for contenders. If they don't, uh, you know, they'll be you know, a body short against some of these top teams in the Eastern Conference. As far as the Lakers go, Chris, what do you think is the key to their success in this finals? What do they need to do? It's all three-point shooting with them. You know what you're going to get from LeBron. You know what you're going to get from AD. Uh, you know, in all their losses, they've shot under 30% from three. That's that's the common denominator in the games they lose. Some of them they shoot under 20% from three. So, you know, you got to watch the Alex Caruso's and uh, the Danny Greens and the Contavious Caldwell Popes. I mean, I don't know if Miami's going to play as much zone against the Lakers as they did uh, against the Heat. It might make sorry as against Celtics. It might make some sense because they don't really have a de facto LeBron stopper. Uh, but if they do, it's going to leave those shooters open. And, you know, if, if those guys knock three-pointers down at a 35, even 40% clip, it's going to be a very short series. If they wind up missing and going below 30, uh, Miami's got an outside shot at winning. Chris, LeBron James is one of the most freakish athletes I've ever seen in my entire years of watching sports how long can he keep doing this or have you seen evidence of him aging or slowing down or being less capable one way or another not really i mean you know small areas when it comes to conserving energy during games at times but how he played this year playing i believe the fewest minutes of his career one of the fewest minutes of his career was really remarkable it makes you believe that it's it's sustainable over the course of the next three or four years. I mean, he is, I look at all of his accomplishments. This one ranks right up there to, to come to a team in his second year after missing the playoffs the year before. Uh, yes, you added Anthony Davis and that's a huge part of the equation, but they also turned the roster over again. They added new pieces. Uh, they had to deal with the death of Kobe Bryant. They had to deal with the hiatus and they still, you know, gentlemen sweep everybody in the Western conference playoffs. I mean, you know, Portland got one game. That was because they were sharp coming in. The Lakers weren't. Can certainly make the same argument for the Rockets in game one of that series. And Denver's the good team. So, I, I mean, it, you know, for LeBron to put up the kind of numbers he's put up in this postseason and for the Lakers to play this way, if they finish this off in a comparable manner, you can make a strong case that this is the best uh, season of LeBron James's career. And that's remarkable to think of when he's 35 years old. I know they're still playing, but you just hear nothing about Anthony Davis possibly leaving in uh, for free agency in the offseason. Is it pretty much kind of a, 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 a foregone conclusion he'll be back? Yeah, it's, it's – I mean, I, I'd be 
there's few things that would shock me more than if Anthony Davis left. He, he likes L.A. He wanted to get traded to L.A. He's got a great personal relationship with LeBron James. They're locker mates in the Lakers locker room when there there is a Lakers locker room. Uh, it, it's it's impossible to think otherwise. I mean, this is what Anthony Davis wanted. He wanted to play deep in the playoffs to have a chance to win a championship. For the next three-plus years, he's going to have that chance. Uh, they may not get it every single year and probably won't, but he's going to have an opportunity every single year. He's going to get paid the most to get a five-year max-level contract from the Lakers. There's, there has to be something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about for Anthony Davis to walk away. Chris, why is what Dwight Howard playing for the Lakers again after what happened his first time around? I mean, first, Dwight had no other options, of course. I mean, he, he <laughs> half the teams in the league had passed on him. And Dwight, as we know, had to effectively beg his way into this Lakers situation by taking a non-guaranteed contract with the team. But this is kind of the role that I think a lot of people envisioned for Dwight over the last couple of years. You know, being a either a backup or a starter who you don't build your team around. And that's been hard for Dwight to accept. I mean, Dwight going back to, to when he was with Charlotte a couple of years ago, you know, still believed he was the number one option, still believed you could build a team around him. I think there's been a reality check. There has to have been over the last couple of years when, you know, the Nets cut him loose, the Wizards cut him loose, the Grizzlies cut him loose. Nobody wanted him, even if he wasn't uh, wasn't making a ton of money. I mean, the Lakers, you think about it, the Lakers wouldn't have touched him except DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. I mean, that was the reason they went out there and, and signed him. And, look, I think Dwight's willingness to accept this role has probably prolonged his career by two or three more years. I mean, there's no reason the Lakers wouldn't bring him back under a comparable deal, maybe a little bit sweeter, uh, next year. So, uh, I mean, I, I think Dwight, if not for this opportunity, would probably be playing in China right now and you know, maybe earning good money, but seeing his career just or his legacy just decimated because of the way it ended. Now he's got a chance to, to kind of rehabilitate his career over these next couple of years and, and define himself differently than just this, you know, whiner or, or powder that he was with some of these teams and, and become a winning player. Chris, thank you very much as always. Enjoy your week. You got it, guys. It's our friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated uh, with us here on The Big Show. Stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.